Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. I'm Listening is Odyssey's commitment to mental health conversations. If you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, depression, anxiety, or mental illness, help is available. Call or text 988 to reach the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. That's 988. Detroit is one of the richest music cities in the world, having produced countless legends. But none are quite like Alice Cooper. So their test audience were the residents of the asylum who you, and this is true, they lined up on the fences to listen to them playing in the barn. If they applauded, the band felt like they had something. At 75 years old with five decades of music behind him, Alice is still full steam ahead. This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. Alice Cooper is a pioneering rock star and has the catalog and accolades to prove it, but it wasn't always that way. There was a time when he was the most hated man in rock and roll. Few know Alice's career better than legendary Detroit music journalist Gary Graff. Gary's book, Alice Cooper at 75, dropped earlier this year, and he and I chatted about that book at a signing at Schuler Books in West Bloomfield earlier this week. That is the setting for the newest edition of Sunday Conversations. How do you think Alice has aged over the years? And I don't mean physically. I mean the work that he's done and the influence that he's had. He's got quite the catalog. He does. And when you've gone from being, most people here will remember, the scourge of the earth and public enemy number one in 1974 to now being in progressive insurance ads, the great part of Alice Cooper's story is the way he's woven himself into the cultural fabric. He is part of our, a lot of our, and even our, our kids, when you go to an Alice Cooper show now, it's, it's an all-ages affair. He really is woven into the mainstream of our cultural fabric. And not just rock and roll, but like I say, when you're, when you're doing ads for insurance companies and office supply stores, you're, you're part of the culture. So what do you think changed? What went from making him public enemy number one, like you said? Is it an effect of time, or is it, is it more complicated than that? It's time, and then there's a little more than that. Obviously, you know, what started as Alice Cooper begat slasher movies, begat real life um, in some cases. And so a guy hacking up baby dolls on stage and cutting his head off and sitting in an electric chair became a little less outrageous and maybe, maybe that's a scary statement, but it became a little less outrageous. Plus, it's entertainment. And I think people always understood it was entertainment, even if they didn't think it was something that should be entertainment 
on a stage. Uh, the Alice Cooper show has a lot more in common with vaudeville and the old Busby Berkeley musicals and things like that than it, than it does really with a slasher movie. His shows, and I think people get this, even if it's not obvious to them, his shows are redemption stories. He behaves badly, he's punished, you know, the head comes off or he gets hung or he gets electrocuted or something, and then he's redeemed. It wasn't an accident in all those shows, especially in the 70s, that after he was killed and the band played and dragged his headless body around the stage, and then he comes bursting out, singing schools out in white tux and tails, or white top hat and tails, the white being, a, you know, he, w- he was redeemed to a degree. How do you separate who Alice Cooper is as a person and who he is on stage? Because, you know, reading the book, that was one of the things that fascinated me the most is when people say it's all an act for him, it was and then some. And, but it wasn't. He actually had a huge problem at one point separating the man and the character. He had, during the mid-70s, a near-fatal you know, drug addiction. And, su- and substance addiction. He was a drinker for a long, long time. He drank a case of beer a day. That wasn't just rock and roll hype. And then at night, it was a fifth of a Canadian club or something like that. Gradually, the character consumed the man until it couldn't anymore. And he tells the great story. He did two stints in rehab, one that worked okay. And then he did an album... Uh, from the inside, about that experience. The lyricist was Bernie Toppin, Elton John's lyricist. Bernie got Alice addicted to cocaine. Not good when you're talking about an addictive personality. But he tells a great story about he separated from his wife. His manager told him, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to watch you kill yourself. And he was abandoned at home alone with his clothes covering the windows. And he was, he was in the dark. He described it as a baseball-sized rock of cocaine that he was ready to use. And he looked in the mirror at himself. And there's a very famous interview on the Tom Snyder show where Alice looked like death warmed over. I mean, he, he could have been in The Walking Dead or the Night of the Living Dead movies. It was just horrific. But he looked at himself in the mirror and something clicked, flushed the rock down the toilet, opened the door, let the sunshine come in, and after he was done being blinded, he took himself home to his parents, who were in Arizona at the time, and they got him into rehab, and this one stuck. He's been sober ever since 1982. How did that change him as a musician? You know, you, you talk about how the character consumed the man, but once that flipped, what changed in, in the way he made music? I think it made the Alice Cooper character more ferocious than he was even, even when he started out. Uh, because he could be, you know, if he, w- he was past the point where the character was, was going to consume him. So that, that 80 minutes on stage, he could be as mean as he wanted to be and as intense as he wanted to be because he was comfortable and confident that when he got off stage, he was back to being Alice Cooper, the man, the, the good Christian that he is, and the good family man that he is, and then he could do it all over again the next night and just become this, you know, intense guy who, again, is hacking up baby dolls and walking around with snakes uh, over his shoulders and spearing photographers, fake photographers, on stage and doing all the fun stuff that we know and love about Alice Cooper. 
I want to talk about his musical influence in a second, but first, you know, one of my favorite things about Alice Cooper is his radio show, and it's a long time running. How has that helped keep him in the forefront when it comes to music? Because even without producing music, he's still out there on a frequent basis. And he is producing music, I right. mean, you know, frequently. But the radio show Nights with Alice Cooper, which is syndicated, and there's an app for that, like everything else, that put him in front of a lot of ears who know Alice Cooper as a name but might not necessarily have listened to Alice Cooper. He established himself, he broadened his audience in that way, some younger, some older, some who just didn't listen to him. And he's playing not only Alice Cooper music, but he's playing music of his contemporaries who he has tremendous stories to tell about. And he's also playing fresh music, more contemporary music, which he also has great stories to tell about because everybody loves Alice Cooper. And all these young musicians gravitate to him and have become friends with him, and he understands the experience of being a rock star and making music. So through that show, he was able to give his audience something that's very, very different than what they're hearing on any other, you know, kind of media like that. So that's a long answer and a way of saying it's helped keep him relevant. So we talk about the influence of his music, and and let's talk about the stage show first, because I think that's what sticks out more than anything else. What did that help create? Because earlier you said as his music career went on, some of the more gruesome things he did became normalized. And I'm wondering if he's responsible for that. I don't think he would want to agree with that, but he has, and he's said to me at times too. And one of the things he used to say on stage to people is, is you get sicker, we'll get sicker. See, he had an awareness. I don't think he felt like he was the only one who may have been having that kind of influence on society. But I think he always was confident that it was embraced as entertainment. And people understood that, you know, when he got off stage, he wasn't hacking up a real live baby or really cutting his head off or it would have been a shorter career. (laughs) Um, The impact of the stage show was nobody did a stage show like that in rock and roll. You had the crazy world of Arthur Brown and you had a few folks who put makeup on and did a few crazy things, but nobody put on what was essentially a rock and roll version of a Broadway musical on stage that was scripted. In addition to that, to take a show like that around the country and around the world in 1972, they had to create an infrastructure that didn't exist in rock and roll at the time. They had to take their own PA and lighting. They had to take trucks on the road, you know, and create this whole transportation system. Which today is 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 what happens. Look at Taylor, you know, Taylor Swift was that on steroids with her. 112 trucks or whatever it was she brought to town. and How much of that can we connect to what you're talking about from 1972? You know, consciously, you know, does Taylor Swift know that she's following the model that Alice Cooper established? (laughs) She might, because she actually looks into the history, but the people who are on the road, the tour managers, the logistics people, they do know where it started. A surprising number of them have Alice Cooper on their resumes. As you can imagine, a tour like that goes through a few people. It goes through a few musicians. You know, he's, he's always talking about how the two things he tells everybody when they join his band is you're going to see the world and you're going to get stitches. And they all have. You know, he's running around with a fencing saber. He doesn't know the bass players, you know, a foot behind him. And so uh, they all do really have stitches. So how about the musical influence that is Alice Cooper and where it's gone and what it's created? And even today, he's still creating music. So it's not as if the catalog is stopped. It, it still grows. Yeah, and, and it grows frequently. I mean, he puts out an album about every two, three years, which for somebody of his legacy and his age 
is a tremendous output, and that's part of what keeps him you know, valid right now. Everybody here I know still buys music. They still understand that he is an active creative being and an active creative entity in rock and roll, and I think that creates respect and it keeps him relevant. In terms of the music itself, he's part of a gestalt that comes from the Grandy Ballroom, that comes from 70s album rock. So you talk about all these bands, and and it includes the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and Grand Funk Railroad, Iggy Pop and the Stooges, the MC5, yada, yada, yada. He's part of all of that. It's what we call the guitar hero generation or the rock band generation. When When those games came out, he was part of that body of music that is considered to be classic with a capital C, rock. And it stayed there. I'm glad you mentioned the Grandy Ballroom because, you know, Alice Cooper has been away from Detroit physically for a long time. I lived in Arizona for quite a while. And when you go to Phoenix, he is everywhere. He is everywhere. And it's great. But what do you connect from Alice Cooper and Detroit? You mentioned the Grandy Ballroom, but Detroit is such a wonderful music city that creates people like Alice Cooper. So what's that definitive Detroit connection? Well, born born here, first of all, and spent his first 10 and a half years or so but here. Musically. So, well, I'll get to that. Um, but Fair enough. His first pop culture influence is from Detroit, Soupy Sales. His uncle, one of Alice's uncles, he had a very colorful family. They were not the Purple Gang, but they were just as colorful as those guys. One of his uncles ran a pool hall where Minnesota Fats used to come and play and take people's money. So Alice, he soaked in, and it soaked into his DNA, the cultural impact of Detroit, all these cultures that came to Detroit to work in the auto factories and brought their cultures with them. So Hastings Street and the blues scene down there. Um, he saw Elvis Presley on TV in Detroit. All of that is, is in his DNA. Then, tellingly, when the Alice Cooper band couldn't make it in L.A., you know, when they were the most hated band in L.A., and not because he was hacking up baby dolls, but because the music sounded like crap, they came to Detroit to hone the music in. And they lived in a barn out in Pontiac. And as they, one does. As one does. And they, they were able to find the right producer, a guy named Bob Ezrin, who was teaching them how to write concise rock songs. And at the same time, they were playing the Grandy Ballroom, the East Town, the, all the legendary Detroit places, rubbing elbows with Bob Seger and Iggy Pop and the MC5. And so that became part of the music, too. It was interesting that their neighbors at the barn in Pontiac, there was a, an asylum next door. And so their test audience were the residents of the asylum who you, and this is true, they lined up on the fences to listen to them playing in the barn with the windows and doors open. And if they applauded, the band felt like they had something. (laughs) So it's this great combination of classic Detroit rock and residents of an asylum that made the Alice Cooper music what it was. Gary, you've been doing this for so long and you've been... Not that long. Well, fair enough. But, but I say that only to say this, well, nice little jab, but only to say this, though, what did you learn in writing this book? I know that you have a vast knowledge of people like Alice Cooper, but, you know, you put a book like this together, I'm sure that you learned something, something surprised you. What was that? In Alice Cooper's case, I learned what I'd forgotten. And the nice thing about doing this book, and one of the reasons Cordo came to me to do it is after 40 plus years of interviewing the guy, there's not a lot I haven't 
come across or known. But as I was, you know, doing the research and you go down these great YouTube rabbit holes where you realize you've, you've just spent nine hours without writing a word, <laughs> um, you know, but all this stuff I had forgotten about which was fun to get in the book. And then you don't know what to do with it all. I mean, the started, the concept of the book and all these books is 75 items from their career. So I started with like 170 when I made the first list. Got it down to about, you know, after a lot of hacking and consultation with my editor, got it down to about 95 and then I cheated. Some of these entries have a little more than just one aspect of Alice Cooper's career in it, but hopefully written in a way where you don't notice it unless you know that I just told you that. Because you said that, what does that say about Alice Cooper that you couldn't slim it down? There are so many characters in rock and roll, but he's unlike any other. A tremendous career that has become woven into the fabric of our popular culture. And within that, there are all these crazy connections. Alice Cooper on The Muppet Show, which if you haven't seen, look it up on YouTube. It's incredible. Alice Cooper is a member of the Friars Club. And this is back in the 70s when he was public enemy number one to our parents. But all the people our parents loved, loved Alice Cooper. It's great. So it's just been this tremendous career, well executed. You have to give a lot of credit in his career to Shep Gordon, who was his manager, known as there's a great documentary about him called Supermensch. And he wrote a book as well called They Call Me Supermensch. He was very instrumental in that. He had a lot of intelligence all the way around. Shep's a smart guy. Alice is a brilliant guy. He really is. And he was as much a part of his success as, as anybody else. And then he had good people around him. I mean, it was the golden age of selling records when he became a superstar. So you had these, and he was at Warner Brothers Records. So you had um, Mo Austin and Lenny Warnicker, and you had some of the best record people in history were working with Alice Cooper and responsible for marketing him and exposing him. And it was a golden era of album rock radio, great radio stations, great DJs. All of that really came together in a perfect storm to establish not only Alice Cooper as a superstar, but all the other bands we were mentioning before. So, you know, right place, right time, right act, incredibly different act. (laughs) And it all worked, and and it still works today. You know, as many people go to the shows to soak in the history of Alice Cooper as they do just to hear because they're fans of the music. Today's big thanks go out to Gary Graff and the folks at Schuler Books in West Bloomfield for having us. Check out wwjnewsradio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. Do you want the Daily J delivered right to you? All you have to do is text WWJ to 20357 and you'll get it instantly. Message and data rates may apply. I'm Zach Clark and this is The Daily J. Thanks for listening. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.